0: Hello and welcome to the second in our new Human Givens Ask the Expert podcast series. My name's Julia Wellstead and I'm on the Human Givens team. We're running this podcast series as an opportunity for you to hear Human Givens professionals discuss mental health and emotional well-being from the point of view of their particular area of expertise and we'll be discussing a wide range of topics over the series that we feel should be openly discussed and those in which our listeners have expressed an interest. And it's all to help promote emotional health and clear thinking. So on this podcast, we're asking the expert why every childhood is worth fighting for. And we're delighted for this to have Chris Dias joining us today. Chris is a social worker for the NSPCC, that's the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. And there he supports children who've been sexually abused, Uh, Now Chris is based at the NSPCC charity Stoke-on-Trent Service Centre at Carroll House in Basford and has completed his human givens diploma and is also a registered HG practitioner. Hello Chris, thank you for taking the time to be part of our podcast. You're welcome. And congratulations on winning the Children's Social Worker of the Year in 2018, which we wrote up in our newsletter.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting, very
0: exciting. Yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, Now, during this podcast, we'll be discussing the importance of supporting vulnerable children and generally of encouraging child and adolescent emotional health. We've received loads of questions for you from our audience, Chris. No surprises there. And thank you to everyone who submitted one. Now, we're going to try and answer as many as we can. And to that end, I've amalgamated some that are sort of on a similar theme. Um, So Chris, let's get started. The first, very first question, which is kind of my own as well, is please could you tell us more about your social work and how and why you chose the HG approach and how that, uh, the human givens approach helps you in your role as a social worker. So just a very small
1: question there. A small question indeed. Oh, well, I I started working in social care generally about 1984 um, as a youth worker. After finishing my degree, I went and ran a small youth club in Crewe in Cheshire, um, for a year, and then went on to do a postgrad in youth and community work, and I did that for a while. Um, and then family came along. I needed I needed more money, if I'm honest. So I retrained as a social worker, um, qualified in 1990, and did that uh, child protection work for about eight years before moving to the NSPCC in 1998 where my role kind of changed. I was still required to be a social worker, but also to be a therapist. So it was kind of an odd um, title really. Um, But at that time, and we still are very conscious that um, to do the kind of work I'm doing, you need to have a good grounding in social work, protected practice as well as therapeutic skills as well. So I've been doing that for 20 years. Um, still working in Stoke-on-Trent, working with the young people there, and um, watching some of them grow up and become adults.
0: Yes, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and have their own children, probably.
1: Yes, yes, one has, in fact, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, brilliant! And and when did the Human Givens approach?
1: Oh right, yes, come well, into all about that. Right <laughs> at the very beginning, because when I first came to the NSPCC, it was under the idea that they would they would um, support me through family therapy training. Um, systemic therapy was very much the thing then. And uh, I was very glad to do that. But then unfortunately things change in organizations and my funding was cut. Oh. And I was very conscious that I needed, I, I couldn't just be a social worker and assume that made me a therapist as well. So I was looking around for uh, a way of training that I could afford as well as was was right. And fortune had it that I came across the the, the Mindfields college as it was called then. Yes. Um, and I met people like Joe uh, and and Ivan and Pat Williams um, and Denise at that time. Um, did the Mindfuls courses, then picked up the first monograph. And then the title Human Gamers came into the world. And I've been following the development ever since.
0: Brilliant. That's fantastic. Yep. And, That's it, and, it, and, it, and it meshes into your work.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think um, everything, I mean, I, now in the last sort of, I think it's 15 years. I've lost count. I've been a trainer as well um, for the local Children's Safeguarding Board on behalf of the NSBCC. Um, human givens is is sort of permeates through all of it, you know, and, and it's, it's extremely important to people realize that in some respects, well, as, as one child once said to me, it's not what was done to me, it's what it's left me with. Mm. And it's constantly saying to people, you've got to look at the here and now, our needs met now. If they're not, um, it's like, I think one of Idris Shah's um, sayings is, if the sausages are gone, does it matter that the dog ate them? (laughs) And I I absolutely love that. (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah, because it's like, (laughs) oh, there's a very, I mean, sometimes we get entranced by the story and not realise that we've got someone in front of us that's still very, very distressed, even though they're technically safe. Yes brilliant. It's vitally important that people understand the core organizing ideas of h g even if they're not going to be therapeutic practitioners it's It's a blueprint for life.
0: yes, absolutely well said
1: i should I should write some of publicity for this organization
0: you should please do <laughs> <laughs> please do right Chris I've got a batch of six questions here which I think you probably want to answer all at once. So I'm going to black them out and then let you do the answering. So here we go. Um, What are the signs of mental health difficulties in children? And are they the same as as adults or do they differ? (laughs) Question two, what can we do to help vulnerable children? Question three, what can we do to help their recovery process? Mm. How should we approach children who we think are struggling with mental health difficulties? And how can we help children build confidence, self-worth, develop resilience and sort of self-image, I suppose, so they can cope better? Right. There you go. Go for it.
1: Oh, (laughs) how long have we got, by the way?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've got all day. (laughs)
1: Okay, okay. Um, Well, the difference between adults and children. um, Well, to be fair, again, I'm talking from personal experience, but I think... um, so if it comes to things like anxiety, I suppose children have more things in front of them to be anxious about, and adults have more things behind them to ruminate over. And uh, Children are very much in the here and now, and if they don't feel safe in the here and now, it's impossible to talk about the past. They're not going to do that.
0: Yes, or um, the future, presumably.
1: Yes. Or the future, yeah. It's, it's very much now. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that I met one young person, again, the one who gave that sentence is people say, I should come and talk about this. Well, I don't want to talk about it. I want to forget it. And I said, yes. can you forget it? And she said, no, I can't. And I said, well, do you want me to help you to forget it? Or put it somewhere where it doesn't bother you? And that was the our agreement. That was our, we worked on that. Yeah. And um, I think the, the ability to forget is, an, is a vital human given. Otherwise, mm. we just our heads would explode, wouldn't they? Yes, yes, um, Absolutely. So it's, yeah, um, personally, I, I just, every human being is different. You, you have to do, children will will express their anxieties different to adults, but they'll feel fear just the same way. Um, children can be depressed. In fact, my own personal experience as a child was I was depressed for a period of time. Mm. People didn't pick it up because people didn't think it was possible then.
0: No, so we sort of didn't we, know the word, did we? I, I didn't know no, I the word. I was really
1: describing it, that's true. There's yeah. lots of things yeah. in my life I didn't realise were there until someone gave me a vocabulary. Yes. <laughs> and I yeah. could see it. I mean, human Givens shows us that we all have fundamental emotional needs. Things go wrong when these needs are, are unmet or frustrated, whether you're an adult or a child. Um, the difficulties, and, and I think sometimes we misinterpret children, that we, we see a difficulty. Um, like a behaviour or yes. um, a way they're speaking. And we assume that's the problem. Whereas for the child, that's their attempt at a solution. That's their coping strategy. Exactly. And so yeah. we start treating solutions rather than looking for an underlying unmet need. When if it is met, the, the problem evaporates because it isn't needed anymore. So um, looking at what can we do to help the recovery process, uh, and again, I just think that we're missing something. Maybe, I mean, other people are saying this, but we've created a, a toxic culture for children. I was talking to some youngsters who, um, they were being asked what, um, what advice they would give to the government about how children could keep themselves safe on the internet. And one bright spark said, all the problems children have with the internet are created by adults. So it's up yeah. to the adults to effing solve it (laughs) I thought yeah you're right you know why have you made something so dangerous and then children tell children to be careful with it we wouldn't do that with knives would we no guns no so a lot of a lot of this is about adults the adult world taking responsibility for the overall welfare of children and not bagging them off to therapists when things go wrong Yes, you cannot, okay. so as um, a friend of mine said once, you can't inoculate a child against Crap Life Syndrome. <sighs> you know, and I mm. think that's, that's very true. Mm. Um, okay. And I think, yes, the vast majority of so-called mental health problems, are, and i say so-called, um, are caused by adults.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're caused by yeah. other children. Mental health difficulties are other people and what they do. I mean, well said, yes. They mustn't get suckered into trying to inoculate distressed children from unhealthy home or school environments. Um, yeah, children need to feel safe, loved. They need to feel that they're welcome and valued by all members of communities, groups, families. They have to be in place. Otherwise, no amount of therapy will work. Because mm. it, it just won't. Because yes. the need will stay unmet. Yes. So we have to think wider than that. You know, was so, it the old... Pat Williams used to say all the time, it takes an... Um, it takes a village to raise a child which is lovely so, isn't
0: it yes yeah. yes yeah yeah
1: now, am i answering the questions
0: yes absolutely um the question in my head there i suppose is what, so when you have a child in front of you who's struggling yeah you presumably therefore are looking at the home environment the school environment
1: Yeah, we look at the whole thing. You have to be, the word holistic is truly part of what we do. And part of the job sometimes is going back to families and other professionals and saying, you're asking me to do something I can't do because you've got to do something. Mm. And sometimes they don't want to hear that. And other times they kind of wake up and go, oh, really? And and then when you explain it, they go, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. And yeah. And like said, you know, like children, when, when there's been sexual abuse, well, are they having contact with the person who, who's, who they've alleged? No. And yeah, well, forget it. There's no way that child's going to be calm enough to do therapy. They're going yes. to be living in a constant state of fight or flight. Mm. You know, you, they're, they're not safe. You've got to be safe first. That's the wonderful f- contribution that Stephen Porges is making through polyvagal theory. He's actually showing that the entire nervous system is geared towards finding safety. And once he gets the safety signal, then it comes to the point at which things can be discussed. And I think a lot of times we're trying to get children to discuss things, but when their whole body is screaming for safety, yes, and they're not hearing, they, they they're, they're not,
0: hearing they're it. not uh, uh, no. as we're
1: taught through HG. They're,
0: they're not able yes. to hear or. Exactly, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So, Chris, I, I, I know from our previous chat with, for the newsletter um, mm. that you've developed something called Single Opportunity Counselling. Would you like yeah. to tell us a bit about that?
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <How> good. <laughs> this has been great fun. Um, this all started about 18 months ago with, again, talking to a group of young people who are our uh, participation group. And they were talking about how long they had been waiting for uh, counselling services after having diagnoses such as depression or anxiety following their abuse experiences. And some one young man had been waiting for the best part of two years. Um, and, I, and I appreciate that the, the, I'm not, this is not me bashing the CAM service. They are really, really up against it. And yeah. goodness knows how they're doing their job. But he made the comment, I wish there'd been someone to talk to while I was waiting for someone to talk to and I thought you know that hit me like a bit of a gong why why is why were you surrounded by people surely to goodness there was someone you could have talked to what is it about that it's like people backing off you with people not feeling confident people didn't want to Mm -hmm. tread on the professional's toes you know you're seeing an expert I couldn't possibly and then it kind of set off a chain of thought in my head because over the years I've done I've done lots of other things like um, first aid training and, and things and I can remember um, my father who was a first aid trainer telling me that first aid training um, took a giant leap forward when they, took, when they stopped allowing doctors to teach it. <laughs>
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, as a, as a nurse, I absolutely understand that one. Yes, yeah.
1: because they overcomplicated it and they put in yep. lots of facts that doctors enjoy, but people would just confuse people in the streets if you're dealing with someone. You don't have to know the hemoglobin contact of blood to know that too much is pouring out, and you've got to stop it. Yeah, so it, it then made me think, well, of all the things that I've learned as a therapist, what are the most common tools, if you like, I use more than anything else? And what's the the minimum you would need to know to have the maximum impact for the most common conversations that a distressed child might come to you? And that's really the key word for for SOC, Single Opportunity Counseling, is forget the whole world mental health problem. Just Mm. just stop thinking that. Think distressed child. And it puts your head in another question. Because if you say, this child has a mental health problem, you go, ooh, what is it? Mm. Whereas if you say, this child is distressed, you ask, what about? Yeah. So it, it puts your head in a different – it actually inspires a sense of responsibility in yourself to do something rather than fob the child off to someone else. So I was thinking – so I put together what I thought was an, an acceptable toolkit using core um, HG principles. But then I thought, well, given the fact that I would only ever have a, a one-day chance to teach people, is there, how do I teach folks in a day to do that? so then I had a lot of thinking and using lots of techniques and and ways of doing stuff that I'd learned off other people over the years put together a little um flyer I I pitched it to the local safeguarding training board and thankfully because they trust me as a trainer they said all right give it a go we'll do it we'll do a pilot so we advertised it and I was told it was it sold out in half a day yeah. which I thought, well sell out as it fully booked up with a, fully with a big booked, waiting yes. list so we're going oh well no, this is this is chiming for people so we put on two more to take up the um all the numbers who were on the waiting list and then it just started to snowball and uh two of my colleagues have come in now and they they've just they just presented their first one without me being there which was nerve-wracking for all of us yes <laughs> but <laughs> how but did it, it go in the space of one year, we have now. In the, we had to limit it to Stoke-on-Trent. Couldn't take it out of Stoke because it is an NSPC project, and they're very keen that it be properly quality assured and, and evaluated, which we're we're in the process of doing. But we've we've taken three hundred and fifty people through it. Wow! In twelve months, just through word of mouth. So that's that's
0: astonishing.
1: That's representing yes. eight, uh, eighty-five agencies, including thirty-five schools, <gasps> and we are booked up to. We're fully booked till May. We're going to be training probably all the local police, community support officers, vulnerabilities teams, foster carers, family support workers. They're all booked in for a number of more schools. The the people that used to be called Sure Start are called something else now. I can't remember the name of it. And, um, and I've also, believe it or not, I was with a young person who was quite suicidal two weeks ago. And... Thankfully, because I'd, I'd been practising SOC for quite a while, I wasn't ambushed by it, and I took her through um, a technique called um, chase one rabbit, which you know, people will find out about in the end. And it got her mm-hmm. from the t- from being completely um, adamant she was going to die through to, okay, I'll give you a chance. Wow. And I took her to hospital. We were in the ambulance chatting to the uh, paramedic about the conversation we had. And then after all, and she, hopefully now she's safe. Um, but then the following week the guy knocked on the door at the NSPCC and came in. And this was the paramedic and said, Could you teach us how to do that?
0: Ah, brilliant.
1: <laughs> so hopefully so that's, they're hopefully, on the list as well. Hopefully the paramedics are gonna have it. Yeah. And then yeah. the idea is, is it possible to get to a point just through this very practitioner-to-practitioner conversation without mm-hmm. management structures and, and bureaucracies being involved that we could actually cause a bit of a mini revolution with it that yes. um, every child in the city in the end in one or two years will know someone that can do so yes and what and difference well, and what difference does that make to the overall mental health community um at, at the city i don't know it's really exciting
0: yes yes and back to the first the child who said i wish i could talk to someone while i'm waiting to talk to someone hopefully yeah. that will remove that that waiting because yes. there's, there's always going to be someone for them to talk to. Yes, that's right.
1: That's, yeah. that's the idea. And the thing about yes. this is that a lot of times we, um, I, I, I'm, over the years I've learned many assessment systems and I'm supposed to assess children, and assess their needs, assess their, their, their situations. Um, and it, it's dawned on me quite a well while that there are two assessments. That's, that's a very important assessment that you make of the child's service it needs, but the more important one is the assessment the child makes with you yeah that will decide whether or not your therapy is going to work they are sussing you out and if you don't come across as someone that knows what they're talking about is trustworthy and will give them attention then you'll forget it they won't even come near so if a kid if a kid does say excuse me sir excuse me miss can i have a chat with you you've passed a very important assessment already yeah and then at that Um, point it's what you do next that will either make or break it
0: exactly that's when you have to say not say well, just wait till tomorrow or something, but actually oh, get stuck in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes. We 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 just we, we One of the questions is how do we help children cope better? and I think slow yeah. the bloody world down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yes>. Not be <laughs> so a busy.
1: Got, a few controversial things I got here about how we can make things, um, how we can reverse the trend, but um, it will be through therapy.
0: No. no, so Chris, back to some of these questions. Um, sure. Do different techniques need to be used on children on the Asperger's or autism spectrum from those who are what we might call neurotypical?
1: Yeah. A question um, for you. Okay, so well, when I read the question, I thought, well, first of all, using a technique on someone mm. sounds like you're doing karate. <laughs> um, for me, therapy is something you do with someone uh, and not something you some do to them and i 've known lots of young people with with, with asperger 's and, and 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 things like that, and everybody 's different so to say but they, there are things that are different about the way um, folks on the spectrum think they 're different they 're not better or worse it 's just different, and it 's about me taking the trouble to understand them i 've read a book by a young man who um, described um, the spectrum like one of the old-fashioned graphic equalizers you used to get on big stereo systems. Oh, Lots yeah. of little sliders going up and down. And every single person has a different shape ah. so they, as the these sliders go up and down. You have to know where all these different things are. You can't put them in a box and say, that's Asperger, that's not. It's
0: that's because... a brilliant image, isn't it? Yes.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's about... First of all, um, getting to know that person. And, and that's not too difficult. What do you want? What, what, what would a good life for you be like? What, 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 do you, what, what troubles you? What's stopping you getting the life you want? Do we need to ask other people to help? Um, what do you think you're missing? Are those, um, the, those are questions that could be asked quite legitimately. And then you, know, you, you, you fit the, the therapy to the child, not the child to the therapy. Yes.
0: Do you treat anxiety in children the same way as in adults?
1: I suppose, again, the question is, <laughs> what, what are they anxious about?
0: Yes. So, you know, uh, the answer is yes, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, you yeah, you it's work like, out well, f- where they're coming from and
1: what they're... Exactly. And, and they have different ways of expressing that. And I have all sorts of like very lovely um worksheets and colorful charts and card sets and lots of playful things to get the information because some children children don't necessarily have a very good vocabulary for describing emotions so um if you pardon the language we do have a a a solution focused scale thing called the (laughs) shitometer um how shit is it at the moment and they can usually, they generally put themselves on this somewhere, whereas they may not be able to tell you exactly how using complicated adult language. But you get a general idea of how just yes. they are. <laughs> yes. And there's a big difference between anxiety and fear. And a lot of children, not necessarily anxious, they're in fear. Yeah. There are real threats to their world. There are people roaming around on bail conditions, whatever they are, who, could, who are threatened to kill them. Yeah. And you know, like okay, can you can you legitimately take that away from them where actually it might be part of their survival system and staying alive? Mm. So we have to be careful that we don't assume that the child again has, is safe in the way that an adult might a lot of adults will say, I know I shouldn't be afraid of this, but yes. sometimes children don't know that at all. Um yeah. and it's about being gentle and again, find out take the time, get to know what people. it is.
0: Yes. What is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah.
1: Who's, yeah. who's serving who? I think that's always an important question for adults. Yes. Like, you know, I, we talk yeah. about teams around the child. I think teams for the child.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 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 And uh, do you find that there's a question here, how can we teach or help boys to speak about their feelings? Now, do you, do you actually find that boys find that harder than girls or is that a, Oh, they the do it in a
1: different way to notion. girls. Mm. I, I don't, I, again, it's probably controversial, but I think it's, um, you have to ask who, who wants who to talk and why. Um, sometimes boys don't want to talk about feelings. Um, well, okay, why, why do they have to? Does it make any difference to them being able to solve problems? Um, just talking about something doesn't necessarily make it any better or make it go away. So, or do you talk about the situation so that your feelings about it change, in which case you feel happier? And that was great. Thanks very much. Um, But there are very definitely um, gender differences. Um, I know this is, uh, I was watching Mickey Flanagan, the the comic, he was talking about gender differences. And he he described a a situation where he'd gone off to the pub and come back and, and his wife says to him, did you see Steve? He said, yeah, I saw Steve um and she says so how's michelle said, what do you mean how's michelle well you know steve's <laughs> wife how's michelle and he says i don't know didn't ask him i didn't ask steve how michelle was i didn't even ask steve how steve was <laughs> 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 and men can operate like that quite, yes. quite successfully and it drives women mad i know but um, <laughs> sometimes but good boys will express their feelings they don't necessarily do it verbally and I do wonder again it's maybe a topic for another day that there's an evolutionary part to that because way back in the distant past, the teenage boys would have been the hunters in in a tribal yep. tribal life, and when you're a hunter and you 're hunting with other other males, the last thing you want to be making is noise, so I wonder very whether, good point I think maybe the boys are very good with nonverbals and and signaling and yes. you, you can tell wow. how they are, and you kind of wonder whether that's. That was how they hunted, because if they're chattering away and um, what have you, they're, they're going to scare the game away. So yes, to, maybe that's, that's brilliant. That's...
0: Whereas the women's role was to know absolutely everything and have yep. the full gamut of who's okay, who's not okay, yeah, where the where the good berry bush is for eating, all that sort of thing.
1: Exactly, where you're, are the you're kids now,
0: kind so yes, yeah, so it's our brains are wired to know how everybody yeah. is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Very very good point. Yes. Now, the next question, the number of children and teens self-harming is on the increase. Do you have any experience with working with self-harmers?
1: Oh, yeah, you know, quite a bit of that. Um, whether it's increasing or not, I don't think anybody knows. Um, like with suicide as well, I was listening to a podcast by Radio 4, um, more or less, yesterday. Yeah. They were talking about suicide rates there, and they were, someone was questioning the, the, the received wisdom about um incident rates of suicide and and its relationship to depression saying that um it seems to be a 50 50 now um so in a way maybe we're asking the wrong question is it on the increase is it not it's what do we do about it now we know about it um
0: yes it's it's possibly just less hidden
1: yes like like a lot of things like sexual abuse suddenly emerged into our consciousness in the 1980s. That wasn't yeah. when it started. We know the cases are going back, oh, goodness me.
0: Um, yes, well, till the start of the time. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
1: So it's, it's how did... Yeah, um, I always I thought it was um, interesting when sexual abuse did come into the public mind, domain, how many... Experts suddenly appeared on the subject. I kind of wonder, <laughs> where did they get their expertise from? <laughs> yes. yeah, the first one who speaks just... first Jenny tends to be called the expert. Yep, uh, absolutely. But with, with, with self-harming, I think um, I'm only meeting self-harmers who are self-harming because of the impact that sex abuse has had on them. So maybe I'm, I'm meeting a, a discrete population within a wider population. But I would say that one of the main drivers in it is learned helplessness caused by too many things going wrong. It's, um, whereas, you you know, people's attention can be locked on one problem and they ruminate over it. In this situation, the attention can't lock on anything because there's there's too many plates on sticks. It's too much going on. And so the mind is constantly flicking from one thing to another. And, and the effect of that is minor problems become big problems. Everything loses purport, a sense of proportion. Yeah. And one of the things that we've tried to develop in SOC is a straightforward process that a, a, an adult can use to actually... Um, Bring that level of confusion down so they start to get perspective and it's in a way it's a challenge to the CBT idea of doing cost-benefit analysis where Mm. if someone's feeling suicidal you put the pros and the cons before them. My experience of trying that is someone, a kid will very easily get into playing the yes but game with you and uh, whereas in SOC we're, we're basically saying yeah this sounds bloody awful all of it sounds dreadful um, we're not. And I'm not going to tell you to cheer up, Job, because I can't see how you can. But the main thing is, and I can see here that maybe there is control that you can exercise, um, which may make you feel better if you did that. Mm. So, it's don't make, try to make the child happy. Help them feel a sense of control again, and that tends to bring down the impulse to hurt self because it's a it's a compensation behavior. It's a way of feeling better. Yes. Self harm and it switches off depression and anxiety from. It, Period of time, for, your body gets flooded with endorphins and you feel better for a bit, but you haven't solved the problem, nothing's changed, and then we you know you've added to your problems because now you feel terrible that you have yourself.
0: By mollycoddling our children, are we fueling no, mental illness in teenagers? We might not like that term, but difficulties in molly teenagers? Oh, molly really? coddling.
1: <laughs> are we molly our children? I would say no, we're not. I would say we're exposing them to unprecedented dangers.
0: <laughs> well, or isn't it, isn't it a strange mixture of mollycoddling and exposing that's going on
1: these days? Well, I, I, I think there is. I think um, society has certainly come, become a lot more risk averse and a lot more scared of itself. I can remember as a, as, as, a, as a child of nine being able to quite happily walk down to town from the estate where I lived and go shopping and come back again. Mm. Uh, my, 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 my range was, was a couple of miles. I could go off on my bike and into the countryside and have a great time. And children do seem to be kept in more, um, but then, but then we're letting them go on the internet, and they're being exposed in that way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to uh, reverse the trend, yes, shut down the internet. Um, two, reduce school sizes to the maximum of one hundred children, one hundred and twenty children per school. Stop selling children poisonous food, and telling them not to eat it. Um, Stop telling children that anything short of an A-star at GCSE is a failure. Um, This one's a good one. Make maths an optional subject in high school. Instead, replace it with mandatory parenting, life skills, and money management classes. Equip them for adulthood. You know, I I had a conversation in the pub with my mates uh, after a game of darts, and um, I asked the question, how many of you in your adult life have ever needed to know pi?
0: or sign and, costs and whatever the other one yeah, is yes. and,
1: and only one of only one of them says no i i i use pi i use pi every day and i said steve you're a maths teacher of course you do <laughs> 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 so um well, you know what are we gearing up children for it's almost like the pinnacle of our education system is to create uh, what's his name, that, that, that physicist? Uh, it's, Stephen yes, uh, Ho- oh, Brian Cox, Stephen Brian Hawkins. Cox, yeah, it's yes. like uh, it's all geared up to see how many professors we can create. But you know, we desperately need plumbers and electricians and, yes. and, and business people and folk that can make stuff. People you know, who can uh, work
0: with their hands,
1: yes. Exactly, that's that's no, and it's almost seen as that's that's, you do that if you don't succeed academically mm. and I think that's yep. wrong. You know it's like and also we're teaching we, we constantly our culture our school culture is competitive they're competing for exams they're competing against other countries apparently we're not doing as well as the Chinese hands up anyone who cares about that uh, it, it's, it's sort of but but adult life is all about cooperation not competing it's the degree to which we cooperate and share jobs out and, and mm. help each other that matters and seeing yourself as a vital part uh, yep. of the whole community. And again, that's because communities are too big and are too complicated. Um, and I do think that uh, a school is too big if the head teacher doesn't know the name of every child. Yes. Um, because school, the children learn best when they, they're noticed and they uh, feel part of a community. Again, it's about calming, have a calm environment where youngsters are calm enough to learn stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: I know a lot of kids who said they would never talk to their, children, uh, their, their school teacher. Um, about anything that was worrying them because their teacher is always too busy. Mm. Uh, and teachers in secondary schools come and go from classes. And so, you know, you can, it's very easy to get very lost in it, those environments. These, you know, we've, you know, we we just the idea of the internet being free and then suddenly it's filled with so much poisonous stuff. And then the, the adults, because, I mean, I have, I'm a certain age where I have to be told, by young people how to use stuff like like this thing, you know, today. Yeah, you are young <laughs> yes. people and you told me how to use it. I now have a skill I didn't have. There'll come a uh, point when I'm not young time. people, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> but there'll come a point when adults know more about it than the kids do, and I think that's the right way around. Then then yes. it'll become a lot safer at that point. Um hmm. yeah, but it's like, hmm. why why do we fill the shops with sugar stuff and then tell children it's their fault but if it's they become bad. obese? Yes. Yeah, you sold them, them a highly addictive substance. Sugar is as, di- as addictive as heroin. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. I'm ranting like an old man.
0: Yes, no, uh, no, it's okay. It's good. It's all good <laughs> stuff. I, uh, When my kids were little, um, a girl used to come down from the house up the road from us and she always emptied the fruit bowl. She'd eat all right. the oranges and apples and bananas and everything. And her mum came down one day and said, gosh, I don't know how you manage that because she doesn't like fruit in my house. <laughs> and the next time I was up at that house, I noticed that there was a whole cupboard, floor to ceiling, full of sweeties and biscuits. Well, there you go. So that yep. was the answer, yeah. <laughs> which I didn't have in my house. Anyway, no. enough of that. <laughs> so, okay. No, it's all available, of isn't it? It's all. Yeah.
1: thing. If, yeah. if, yeah. if you have young people turning up at school having had an energy drink on their way in, you've got someone wired up on more caffeine than I can mm. consume, and sugar. And, yeah. and therefore, then you want, to, then we expect them, them to, to settle down and- Settle down and concentrate, they,
0: yes. No,
1: it's, yeah. it's not fair on them really. Yes. So yeah, this question of building resilience and vulnerability, um, we, need, we need to create safe environments around children. Uh, the, it's like uh, human gimmicks is based on the idea, if you meet someone's emotional needs, they become a resilient human being. Mm. You don't become resilient necessarily through adversity. You become resilient because life challenges you but doesn't overwhelm you, I think. Um, and so children need challenges. They, it's like, how do, you, how do you build a child's self-esteem? Well, you give them things to do and they can see themselves succeeding at them. You can't inject them with it. And there's no point in, because in, children know you're lying, really, if you say, oh, you're a great footballer, but he can hardly kick straight. He's <laughs> thinking that. No, yes. That's not fair to say that. <laughs> it's, it's... It's, it's helping children find their own unique way of excelling. Or even yeah. being good enough. I remember seeing a wonderful picture. I think it was of a, um, a, a skier coming down. And I love watching the, the uh, ski Sunday shows. And there was a guy, like, crashing spectacularly. It was just a frozen photograph. And once it, and it, and it said, once you've accepted that you're never going to be the world's best, you can enjoy being rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's lovely, yeah. isn't it? So it's about, you know, again, let's stop this kind of competitive that you've got to be a star, otherwise you're a fader. Yeah. Just be good enough at stuff so you have a good life
0: turning slightly back towards the sexual abuse well, completely um how can i teach my child about sexual abuse
1: right depends on the age of the child but um i would love to recommend um the nspcc's pants uh, program mm-hmm. really really I'm, I'm very impressed with it um, and pantasaurus you can watch his video um on, online and it, it, it starts kids off understanding the idea of privacy private parts not keeping secrets saying no and it's okay all those sort of things without necessarily children having to have sexual knowledge Mm. um it's sort of the the child will know it's wrong because other other ideas are in their heads about that you can you mustn't do that to someone um Mm. and is that
0: something is that something with people can find by looking up the nspcc website and yeah you
1: go online it's a free resource you can download posters about it um, parent guides everything. Um, the, I know that my people, uh, my, my colleagues are working on something that's more uh, geared towards adults, uh, not, uh, older children because pants is very it's... much fit for, for younger, younger kids mm-hmm. um, and it is a fraught issue. I know that we I think um, at the moment we, we've been asked by a couple of schools in the area to, to help out with the PHSE training um, mm-hmm. for kids and, and, and healthy relationships and that's where we're going now what well, is actually a good relationship between boys and girls so they've got something to compare it with Yeah. So, so that's
0: the phse what's
1: uh, personal health and social education i think right that's what there's probably all different it's things different parts yeah. of the it's the sort of things you do you know, on the uh, teacher training days
0: right i think yeah.
1: it's a golden opportunity i had a wonderful discussion with some 14 year old boys about girls recently and uh i saw some blushes it was great <laughs> It's so
0: always so, always, get, always good to get a boy blushing, isn't it?
1: Oh no, no, they, but then in the end, it was great because they they were so confused about boys and girls and what boys like and what girls like, and even down to you know, let's say you have a girlfriend and she and and you're sitting with her. What do you think her favorite subject is at that moment in time? And they will go, yeah, well, I am. I go, no, yeah, and they, you certainly aren't. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so. It, it, Courtesy, respect, patience, listening to people—all those kind of core life skills—in a yeah. way help you, help kids to understand when, when to know when they're being coerced, and then it's not okay, and they can say no. Yeah.
0: Because
1: um, you know, if your if you if you're, if your yes is meaningless, if your no is meaningless, then your yes uh, is is pointless. So they don't necessarily need to know, um, you know, the graphic details and yes. stuff. They're In just, fact yep. I think, I know that with, with stuff about um, child sexual exploitation there have been some videos around which have been terrifying children and the advice is now don't use them because it don't. doesn't actually help anyone it just makes them scared to go out of the house and we, yes. no, we don't want that. We, we, no. want, we want to empower youngsters not not terrify them.
0: Yeah absolutely. Um, mm. Along the same sort of lines how do you teach children the difference between discipline and abuse?
1: they would they would need to have consistent um discipline from their own parents to begin with mm-hmm. you know there's expectations on behavior if you don't behave the, um in a, in a cooperative pro-social way there are consequences to that and the and the, the punishment like, or the sanction fits yeah um, withdraw the privilege is the most important one you know taking you know beat me but don't take my phone That's yes like <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: But I suppose if a it, child yeah. is behaving him or herself uh, as per the house rules and is still being punished, then that's, mm. that is kind of abuse, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we, um, well, again, it's, we have this sort of idea that it's okay to hit a child, but if I went into the street and hit you, you, you could take mm. me to court. Yeah. I, I could lose my job if I hit you, so why can I hit a little one who is even less likely to hit me back? It's, it's giving children all the wrong messages. It's teaching children that, because children learn by example. So I'm angry, I lash out at you. What am I teaching the child? I'm teaching the child that I can lash out if I'm angry. Absolutely. So every sanction is a lesson, you know, because they're going to copy us when they get older. And I, I, I can't quote the source, but I know that someone has done a meta-analysis of um, cultures where physical abuse is... Um, is the norm is that they tend to be more violent cultures anyway. So we're teaching yes. children that violence is an option when frustrated. Um, I think we need Which to be rethinking that altogether. and that's a public education thing. So I know in Scotland and in Wales now, um, smacking has now being banned. Yes, And it'll be interesting yes. to see how that develops. I think we'll have a whole generation of children in about 30 years who'll be, who'll be pontificating on the internet saying, I was never smacked when I was a child and it never did me any harm. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Now, Chris, give or take a bit, we're, we're kind of through the questions. I've, mm. as, as, as we've agreed at the beginning, we've sort of amalgamated quite a few. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Oh, wow. Wow. Um... Oh, somebody asked. Um, I would like to ask Chris if you'd make his assessment tool.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm coming. That's going to be my sort of finale question. Uh, but let's uh, go for it. Yes. There are
1: actually. Um, before I developed SOC, I developed something called IBA, which is called the Ind- Integrated Behaviour Analysis, um, and it was basically a mind map for um, ah. people to use, where you have a problematic behaviour and. It, it invites you to think in four directions at the same time. In other words, the baby will have a past. It will have a purpose. It will have a um, pattern and there'll be a payoff to it. And you need to answer those four questions. And then, then it goes into other areas where you may have to think. So it's a, it's a holistic um, diagnostic tool, if you like. It helps yeah. you find what what's the here and now thing that's going on. Because yeah. all behavior disappears if it hasn't been fed. Um, and then there was a way of actually, and it was a tool for anyone to use, and, and we're trying to build that into other work that we're doing uh, in training people to understand the impact that sexual abuse has. Mm-hmm. To stop thinking about sexual abuse, start thinking about what it's left a kid with, and then that enables you then to start thinking, well, well so what have we got to do to help? So it's a way to help groups think about their, their, their whole response. They, um, but Single Opportunity Counselling does actually have a, an assessment tool at the beginning of it, of seeing um, skills and needs in, in one in one plane.
0: And the second half of that question is, um, would there be a possibility of having Chris do a workshop as a CPD day for qualified HG therapists? Right,
1: well, that... um, oh, well I'd, I'd absolutely love to, but at the moment um, single opportunity counselling is very much fitting in with the uh, Stoke on Trent, what's called the Together for Childhood strategy. And I'm in negotiations with folk in london about where sock can then be if you like rolled out to other parts mm. of the country i mean sock is a is a product of hg very much is a child of yes. it um and i can't see any reason why i couldn't it's it is definitely a rabbit that's bouncing ahead of everyone and we're going quick stop it stop it stop it <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then it's breeding
1: as rabbits do <laughs> well indeed it is um, <laughs> <laughs> which is yes. ironic but one of the techniques is chase one rabbit <laughs> yes i like Do you know if you <laughs> well, chase I want... rabbits you won't catch either
0: <laughs> that's right chase one yeah. rabbit yes i like that i watched <laughs> your um unfortunately i wasn't at the hg conference last year but i watched the video of your talk afterwards yeah so i liked all the rabbit stuff and the taxi and all sorts of good imagery there yes
1: well that's the whole yeah. idea, we want things to stick in people's minds, um, but then saying to people just because they're, they're childlike doesn't mean they're trivial, and you know we're getting a body of stories now from people mm-hmm. working with it, we've found children who are really are very vulnerable, coming for yeah. conversations, and the technique's working very well for the people, and, and getting a good result back, so we're, we've, I've been, I've got, I'm, I'm buried in feedback sheets at the moment, um, and we've got an evaluations worker who's going to hopefully sort through all that. Um, we're hopefully going to get someone who's doing uh, their MA at the local university to properly evaluate it for us independently, which Brilliant. means going back to the people who, who've been using the techniques and, and, the, and the approach. And then finding out just quality of stories. Tell us your stories. How have you used it? In what ways yeah. it worked? Yeah. Uh, yeah, have some callback days, and ultimately talk to the children themselves if they're willing to. What yes. was that conversation like? And get it yes. straight from the kids themselves. Was it yes.
0: How was it, was it helpful? How did it change things for you? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. that's what we want because I, I, I don't want this to go out unless it's it really has a, a good, solid endorsement behind it. Because mm. you, know, you know, we all get very enthusiastic about our stuff, and. um and and you can get a bit rosy, rosy-tinted rosy about it and think, oh, yeah, it will be fine. Yeah, I'll love it. And then you know, that's how most businesses fail, isn't it?
0: Yes. <laughs> <I don't> want... <laughs> Hang on, to... let's go back and ask the customer. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 And I think yeah. the
1: other thing about it is, like, um, I don't think I mentioned this before, like, we didn't want it to be an internet thing. Because, like, yeah. it's, it, again, it's, I'm, I'm referring back to Idris Shah's stuff. He, the person who tastes knows. You have to taste it. You have to be in a room with people and talk and discuss and link it to your own personal experience. And then it becomes real. But like you can't learn judo watching a video on YouTube. Yeah. You think you can, but when somebody throws a punch at you, you haven't got a clue what to do. So you have yes. to work with it. So the human transmission element is key to this. It's those of us who know how to do it are teaching those people out there in the community in such a way they can then use it. And they will come a point when they can actually teach it having done yes. it. Yeah. And then Brilliant. Um, we'll, we'll uh, maybe this could be, in, in a, we can link up with HG because I think, because it should be immediately obvious to HG practitioners how it works. They yes, may, that... you know, we may make it something that, that HG could help NSPCC propagate.
0: That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Well, Thank you so much, Chris. But first, I must say thanks to everyone who's listening and to all who's, those who took the time to submit those questions to Chris. And thank you to you, Chris, for answering them. Um, it's been a really interesting conversation. And I'm sure the information and advice you've provided today um, will be helpful to all of us. Um, so is, is there anything final you'd like to add, Chris?
1: No, I just wish everyone well. Um, keep on trucking. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. Okay, we thank you, Chris. in the end, We'll get there in the end.
0: <laughs> we'll get there, yes, wherever it is. Yes. Wherever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Okay. Now, um, if you'd like to know more about the Human Givens approach to emotional health and clear thinking, we have loads of free resources and information on our Human Givens Institute website, which is hgi.org.uk. Uh, we do have a course called Understanding and Improving Children's Difficult Behaviour, which focuses on pre-11-year-olds. And the next one of those is on the 13th of March in London. But details of all our courses can be found at the Human Givens College website, which is www.humangivenscollege.com. And if you're interested in exploring our training options, we have them both online and attended training days. And they can all be found on that website. So we hope you've enjoyed this Ask the Expert podcast. Chris did say at the beginning he didn't want to be called an expert, but I think he's proved that he is an expert on all things children. (laughs) So there. (laughs) We've got a range of fantastic topics coming up uh, being covered in these podcasts of ours. Uh, The self-harm, which we touched on today, uh, relationships, postnatal depression, body image, all sorts of things. So do listen up for those. And if you have a subject you'd like us to cover, please do get in touch because uh, this series is for you all our listeners. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, all these podcasts will be shared on our social media accounts. So make sure you like or follow us. So thanks for listening and we hope you have a good day. Bye for now. Bye for now.